This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. You're digging the Rock and Roll Heaven podcast with LD, Will the Thrill, and TJ2. Hey guys, welcome to Rock and Roll Heaven, the podcast where we talk about the lives, careers, and deaths of famous musicians. I am your host, LD, along with me for the ride, as always, is Will the Thrill. To that, I say greetings and salutations. Are you drinking one of the beers I got you? Yeah, I told myself I'm going to, I told myself no drinking during the work week, with a few rare exceptions, and given this week, I'm going to make a rare exception. It's, it's, it's Thursday, it's close enough to Friday, you're fine. Yeah, I think we'll allow it. Yeah. And our storyteller this week, and as he has been for the last 12 weeks, 12 weeks, 13 weeks, it's it's Mr. TJ2, the deuce. What are you sipping on? Sipping on a Sierra Nevada October Fest, Fest beer. Ah, well, I got right beer. I got Ray Will. Beer. I got Will the pumpkin stuff, too. I, I did. I just went in pumpkin. It's also not easy drinking. Oh, my God. It's 100 degrees in South Carolina you know, sipping beer that goes down easy. It's it's good, but it's very uh, malty and much hoppier than I was expecting for a non-IPA. But it's, it'll do the job. I mean... Y- and by do the job, I mean be beer. <laughs> it's an important <laughs> job. That's pretty much its job. Please be beer for me. Thank you. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I mean, you don't... I drink tea, but it's still like... It's so hot that not even iced tea is hitting the spot. It's just, it's yeah. barbecuing right now. Mm-hmm. It's so hot. I did want to say hello to someone who just messaged us. Hello, Seth. Seth is on the road a lot. And so he listens to our show and he sent us a message on the Facebook and he was just so sweet and so nice. And we just wanted to give you a shout out, Seth, because oh, that's just a really nice thing. Thank you for taking time out of it, your day yes. to say hello. And it's, when we've gotten to the point now where we have people like Seth and uh, friend Christopher, both of whom are musicians who like our show, I think we're hitting our sweet spot. I think we're getting mm-hmm. where we want to be. That's that's the audience. People who make music for people who make music like our show, then I, I feel like we're doing okay. Yeah. So hello to Seth and hello to all the listeners. And uh, sorry, and hello to all the listeners. I've just, I have the inability to speak right now. So I'm really glad that you're going to be the storyteller. But we did have an update on a story that I brought up in the last episode, which I was saying, you know, I'm going to like hold off and say, you know, if this is a hoax, that's terrible. If it's real, it's terrible. And apparently it was a hoax. So little Tay. Uh, the 14-year-old uh, rapper influencer that we were talking about uh, apparently is alive and so is her brother who you know apparently uh, also had passed away in the claim that they had both passed away so yeah it's a hoax 
and I guess she's now in her mother, her mother's custody. Her mom got custody because I guess her dad did something nefarious. I, I don't know the whole story, but I will say, yes, her death was a hoax. And mm-hmm. she had put out a statement saying, like, for the last 24 hours, you know, I have been really messed up because I've been seeing all of the messages about me and the social media stuff that's kind of blown up. And she basically said she panicked. And so, look, I get it. If you're 14 and someone says you're dead, like, that, I can't even imagine. So, you know, I'm glad that she is okay. I'm glad her brother's okay. I'm glad that she's in her mother's custody. So, you know, I'm glad that the story had somewhat of a happy ending. But man, to deal with that when you're 14, that's got to be a heavy weight. It's a lot. It's a lot. So I'm just glad that she's all right, okay, you know, and with her mom and her brother. So that's the bow we're going to put on that. And I think at that, this is probably the best point right now to take a short sponsor break. And we'll come back. And again, for the 13th time, I will hand the reins over to my brother. All right. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well... I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything factor meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. And we're back. So, TJ, week 13. This is my lucky number. So yes. I feel like this is going to be a good one. So what are we covering? Give us the tea. We are covering the life and times of the late, great Waylon Jennings. And we began this odyssey back in April and only two weeks left after today. So we're getting very near the end. And fortunately and unfortunately. Unfortunately, because it's been super fun and we love talking about Waylon. And fortunately, because I won't have to write anymore. And I'm... <laughs> That's not a thing I'm going to miss. I, I do that for my regular it's, job. Sometimes, yeah, it, sometimes it's good to have a break. I, I got to just tell you, that's the worst part about this show. Like, I love the fact that me and my husband and my brother, who both get along very well, uh, can sit down once a week and just talk about this stuff. But like the book report that's actually due every week can be mm-hmm. a little extraneous. And I think that's what happened to you last week was that uh, news got a news. And so we weren't able to get the episode out and so yes yes my, my apologies I, i've never, never uh whiffed on an episode before and i did last week my apologies work was just overwhelming and just all kind of crazy stuff going on so it just i could have thrown something together but you know i, I feel like we've done a pretty solid job with this and so far and i don't want it to you know turn not, to not crap that, at the end so but like literally wait and finish li- up. 
literally we got a compliment for the fact that we don't just throw it together and and have it like we got that email and it was like oh hey by the way thank you so much for actually doing deep dives into these artists lives and not just covering them in an hour and then you're like ah, you know what i'm just not gonna throw this together i think if you yeah if, it, together, it would cheapen yeah you know what yeah you know what you're right it's seth's fault <laughs> yeah, thanks seth, thanks, seth. <laughs> i blame you seth but really, if you think about it, we use the term a lot of living with these artists and you kind of do. And I think it gets to a point where you have an obligation or at least you feel like you do, you know, to deliver the most accurate and thorough information you can, especially because we all have artists that we're passionate about. And I think that's sort of the byproduct of it. I think you're right. Absolutely. So this is week 13 of 15. So if you uh, dudes and dudettes are ready, yeah, yeah. let's go. All right. In our last episode on the Lake Wayland Jennings, our hero had one of the biggest hits of his career thanks to a TV theme song. He was part of that popular show. His cocaine addiction started to impact his relationships, career, and the quality of his music, so he actually kicked the drug and went flat broke, but then built himself back up again. Oh, and he tied George Jones to a tree. And he walked out of the most star-studded <laughs> musical recording in history, <laughs> which included his buddy, Willie Nelson. That's part of the whole show. <laughs> Him tying George Jones to a tree. It's phenomenal. <laughs> yep, but he walked out of the most star-studded musical recording session in history, but that was okay because he was about to be part of another star-studded assemblage of talent. Now, this musical subchapter actually began, of all places, in Montrose, Switzerland. Montrose, that's the same place that Queen recorded. Well, Freddie, Freddie had his studio there, right? Correct. Yeah. That is correct. Look at me actually remembering something after the week I had. And that's where we start. Johnny Cash did an annual Christmas television special and had chosen to take it overseas in late 1984. And he decided to invite three of his friends along as well, that being Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson, and Chris Christopherson. The four were interviewed by a journalist who asked, quote, why Switzerland? Why would you do a Christmas special in Switzerland? Whalen quickly showed that though he was no longer on drugs, he was the same old Whalen. After asking said question, the interviewer stuck the microphone in Whalen's face and got this answer, quote, because that's where the baby Jesus was born. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I can not love the dude. Obviously, that broke up his three cohorts. <laughs> After the TV special was recorded, the four went back to their hotel and they stayed up all night trading songs back and forth as often happens when musical friends sit around swapping stories and songs the idea of making an album came up Waylon said that would usually get kicked around and everyone would ultimately go their separate ways but in this case that did not happen they clicked for a lot of reasons cash said that they quote got along handsomely each was legitimately a fan of the other for the most part, their backgrounds were very similar. None was too big for his britches not to be jobbed and made fun of, and they had many of the same musical heroes. There was also history between many of them. Waylon had first met Johnny Cash back in the 1960s when he was playing at JD's in Arizona. He was in awe of the man in black at first, having been a huge fan of his early 1950s Sun Records work when he was a teen. You'll remember that they ended up being roommates in Nashville for a while. Johnny would sometimes cook full breakfast of biscuits and various breakfast meats and hilariously did so in his signature black suits, which would be covered in flour and bacon grease by the time he was done. A great image. Both, that's which is still one of my favorite images of the whole series. Both were hooked on speed and had their pills hidden from one another. With Waylon on the road on one occasion and Cash out of his own pills, 
he tried to find Waylon's stash in the apartment and he couldn't, even though Waylon had them hidden in the air conditioning unit. So he figured they must be in Waylon's new Cadillac, which of course we talked about he ripped to shreds only to find no pills. When Shooter Jennings was born, it was Johnny and June Carter Cash who came to the hospital to be with Waylon and wife Jesse Coulter. When Cash celebrated six months sobriety, Waylon and Jesse threw a party for him. In turn, after six months of being off cocaine, Waylon had a celebration staged for him by Johnny and June, who also wrote a song for the occasion and performed it for him. Johnny actually called that that the greatest day of his life when Waylon celebrated six months of sobriety from cocaine. In 1988, after the supergroup we're discussing released its first album, but before its second, Waylon had a health scare. Now, this is insane, but he had been suffering from terrible shoulder and chest pain for 18 months. Dude. Oh, my. I feel like 18 months three or refused, four. Refused to go to the doctor. I see. I feel uh, like there's a certain amount of time that needs to pass. Like maybe a month. I get a month. I get a month. I understand that. Like doctor's visits are hard to get or like you've got stuff you've got to do or what whatever it doesn't matter whatever but 18 months that's 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 like almost two years mm -hmm. that is ordering you have hit depending on the time of year you have hit two christmases with this dude go to the doctor it's a it's amazing he didn't die i mean really it, it really is yeah i guess most mortal men would would have would have been filled by that long of uh, suffering from what he was suffering from. But yeah, 18 months. Finally, the pain hit his chest severely to the point he said he felt like he had a, a herd of horses running across his chest. And he said he felt like he had fluid in his lungs. Lord, Jesse and some friends basically, yeah. Jesse and some friends basically forced him. I mean, almost literally dragged him to a doctor. And he discovered that he had not had a heart attack, but he was very close to having one. He was treated with nitroglycerin pills, which helped for a while, but the issues resurfaced. Now, keep in mind, he'd been hooked on either pills or cocaine for 21 years. He rarely slept. After he kicked drugs for good, he, he gained quite a bit of weight. He maintained a terrible diet referenced in his autobiography, just as an example, that it wasn't uncommon for him to fry a dozen donuts in butter and eat all of them. Sweet baby Lord. By the way. <laughs> Aren't they already fried in? And I mean, <laughs> what? They're already they're already they're already deep fried yes in so some kind of oil double but, yeah, frying so he would donuts take, he'd buy a dozen gravy yeah so you're double frying donuts <laughs> double <laughs> fried donuts the breakfast of champions <laughs> cardiac arrest champions and he was also a right he was also a voracious smoker he puffed away on up to six packs of marlboros a day now he ultimately had angioplasty procedure but that didn't help so Waylon had to go under the knife for quadruple bypass surgery oh now unfortunately for Waylon, he was allergic to morphine and he had actually asked not to be given any narcotics so as not to lapse back into drug use so he had to deal with the pain of literally having his chest sawed open with uh, tylenol too oh my, oh my god that is, yeah. that is that is that is oh god Oh, that's crazy. Oh, yeah. oh, I can hear yeah. it. I can hear it in my brain. Oh. Mm -hmm. So Johnny Cash came to visit him in the hospital. And as he did, Waylon looked at him and told him that he didn't look so good. Johnny said he didn't feel especially good. So he got checked out and found out that he needed bypass surgery. Yay, twinsies. <laughs> wait, wait, it was just double, not triple? All I know was, was bypass on Johnny. So I'm not sure how many, but Waylon's was quadruple. 
I mean, oh isn't that Lord. just like one away? God, do you get a punch card? Jesus. Like that sounds Yeah, that like sounds like when you go to the ice cream store, you know, if you, if you get if you get four, the fifth one's free. <laughs> one per chamber. Points. Yeah, one for time. As the, you know what? If anybody's mad at us for making like heart attack jokes, please understand our entire family has pretty much died of heart attacks. So we're just we're just coping with dark humor. Okay. Yes, gallows humor here. Well, he ended up in an adjoining room, I think, in the in the same hospital. Like it wasn't like, oh, you need to schedule surgery. Like you need to have it now. So he immediately went under the knife himself. Now, they'd had some fun and wild times on the road together. They filled up some fountains with blue cheer at one point, and they sawed all the legs off of all their hotel furniture, wait, wait, called wait, a bellhop, wait, and they acted is, like nothing was amiss. Is blue cheer what I think it is? Like cheer wine? That was cleaning material. Is, is it? it? I thought it was a cleaning material. Whatever it was, left a blue watermark on the wall of the hotel forever. Whatever <laughs> okay, it was. Hang on. Awesome. I'm gonna, hang on. I'm going to, I'm looking it up. Blue cheer. Uh, okay, so Cheer uh, sold in the United States and Canada, Procter & Gamble, cleans clothes bright, so I'm guessing it's Cheer, like the detergent, detergent? which would be funny if they put it in a fountain, because then it would all bubble up. Then it would all, it would have all bubbled up and everything. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm much more enthralled by the idea of them sawing the legs off all their hotel furniture, calling a bellhop and pretending like nothing was wrong. <laughs> 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 Just to see the look on his face. Yeah, they were have uh, they were known to have a little fun while they were in the hospital together too. They were being tended to by a nurse was not of slight build. She was not a small person, okay. And Cash, after she left the room, supposedly looked at Waylon and said, "Lord, I hope that girl don't start singing." Uh, oh God! Oh, oh man! Wow! Yes. Now. Waylon had also become friends with Willie Nelson during his time at JD's. They had conquered Nashville and Austin together. They'd done a series of successful duet albums and became two of the biggest stars, not only in country music, but just in, in music, period. Waylon said, of course, that he didn't fully understand Willie. And he said his friend was so smart, but he never learned anything from his mistakes. Just sort of bouncing around with the wind, assuming that things would work out the way they were supposed to. He also said he would always have Willie's back and Willie his. And you will remember it was Waylon who fought to have Willie's Redheaded Stranger album released in the sparse manner that Willie recorded it. Now, Chris Christopherson was a little different than the rest of the group. Like Waylon and Willie, he was from Texas, but his father was in the military and eventually became an airline executive. So he was not raised in the abject poverty that the other three men were. And his family moved around quite a bit. I think unlike the other guys, he attended college. He went to Pomona College in California. And here is a fun fact. Fun, fun fact. fact. Chris Christopherson was once featured in the Sports Illustrated Faces in the Crowd feature. Did y'all know that? I know I didn't. No. I also don't know what that is. Okay. It's basically a thing in Sports Illustrated where let's say there's some high school kid who has some insane game and he, where he, you know, he runs for like 600 yards and seven touchdowns in one game it's it's and it's an outstanding maybe perhaps overlooked achievement can you put that it's into called face in the crowd can you can you so, put that in not sports ball terms <laughs> for me thank you if you do good if you do good and people don't notice they acknowledge you oh so someone does notice does that work i, I guess okay. i mean good enough um, but yeah he was featured in faces in the crowd yeah he was featured in faces in the crowd for his accomplishments in being a star rugby player a starting left end on the college football team, 
a distance runner, a Golden Gloves boxer, the sports editor of the school newspaper, the ROTC cadet commander, and a singer-songwriter. Whenever I want to feel like I've done nothing like, with at my the life, same time. I think about Chris Christopherson. I mean, I, I, I feel like he's yep. my inner beast. Yep. Anytime you need to be brought down a peg, anytime you need to be brought down a peg, just, just, just think to yourself, I'm not Chris Christopherson. I do that all the time without Taylor Swift. Like with Taylor Swift, I look at my life and go, I didn't accomplish much. <laughs> Make candles and have a podcast. I, yeah. I, I want you to think about physical rigors, playing rugby, football, being a distance runner and a, and a boxer all at the same time with, or within, or within the two semesters of a school year anyway, still. That's insane. That's ridiculous. He went on to be Whistler and Blade. Yep. So. Mm-hmm. So after graduating from Pomona, he was a Rhodes Scholar and ultimately joined the military, rising to the rank of captain. He left the military to become a full-time songwriter, moving to Nashville and living in what he called, quote, a slum tenement. He got a job as a janitor at Columbia Records, and to make extra money, he would split his time between there and Louisiana where he would fly helicopters for a petroleum company in the Gulf. And he said he wrote a lot of his most famous songs sitting on oil rigs out in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. I think including me and Bobby McGee. Just, oh, by the way. In an interview I saw, he recounted that when he was working as a janitor, he was really not supposed to talk to the artists that he would encounter. However, he got a letter from his mom that he shared with the studio manager in which his mother basically disowned him for trying to be a songwriter and leaving the military and told him that the only thing that being a songwriter would get him was being a drug addict like Johnny Cash. The studio oh, manager thought oh. that the letter was funny and showed the letter to Johnny Cash, <laughs> who read it in Chris's presence, looked at him and said, quote, well, it's always nice to get a letter from home. <laughs> Chris did meet June Carter and actually did get, speak to her, and he gave her a tape to give to Johnny, whom he idolized. Now, she did, but it ended up in a great big pile of tapes that he had not listened to. Now, legend, of course, has it that Chris, I'm making air quotes, commandeered a helicopter from a National Guard armory and landed it in Johnny Cash's front yard, got out holding a beer in one hand and a tape in the other. Now, I once asked the late Peter Cooper, get right, about that story. He had interviewed Chris who basically told him that you needed two hands to fly a helicopter, so there's no way that was true. However, the part about him flying the helicopter to Cash's house is true. Quote, Wow. It was still kind of an invasion of privacy that I wouldn't recommend. To be honest, I don't think he was there. But John had a pretty creative memory, Chris said. So, yeah, he legitimately landed the helicopter in Johnny Cat. That part's true. The part about holding the beer when he got out, he says, is not true. Now, wait. Oh, but, well, maybe because he wasn't driving. I, was I was thinking about that famous picture of Frank Sinatra where he's getting out of the helicopter with a, a whiskey in hand, wearing a suit and a hat. But yep. maybe he wasn't flying. The you will never be as cool as Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Yes. You'll never be as cool as Frank Sinatra, man. That is accurate. However, that incident did get Cash's attention. He did listen to the tape and he decided to cut the song that he heard. And that song was Sunday Morning Coming Down. Cash performed that song on his old TV variety show. But he was told by network censors beforehand to change the, the line, Lord, I'm wishing I was stoned, to Lord, I'm wishing I was hung. So Cash went on stage. He got to the line. He looked into the audience directly at Chris, who was there, and he really leaned into it as he sang stoned. 
not <laughs> home, which he had been told to say. Chris was floored, but also relieved because he noted that wishing you were home and wishing you were stoned were, quote, two completely different kinds of lonesome, which is uh, true and deep. But it is Chris. So now Waylon and Willie were both early champions of Chris's work, too, and both cut a lot of his songs. Waylon, you'll remember, would actually see Chris at the old Boar's Nest run by Brewer, but said that at that point, Chris was actually too shy to say much of anything to him. Oddly, the only two of the four that had not gotten to spend a, like a lot of time together over the years were Willie and Johnny, who were the two longest established artists of the month, but they, they were still friends. So when the group got back from Switzerland, Johnny and Willie were set to go to the studio, into the studio in Nashville with producer Chip's moment to work on a duet for Johnny's next album. But Waylon and Chris came along too. Now, the first song they be a classic, a huge hit, and would actually provide the, the basis of the group's eventual name. However, it had been actually cut several times through the years. Jimmy Webb, who also wrote Someone Left the Cake Out in the Rain, <sighs> wrote the song. No, stop it. I Stop it. I forgot that song existed for like 15 minutes, and it was probably the best 15 minutes of my life. So if I'm, you I'm, bring I'm, that up I'm, again, <laughs> I will drive to South Carolina I and apologize. punch you in your bad knee. Okay. Uh, could you be more specific? because they're both pretty bad. <laughs> the Jimmy Webb one. wrote it. Jimmy Webb wrote it and he recorded the first version, but Glenn Campbell had also recorded a version of this song. Jimmy Webb pitched it to Waylon, who liked it, but having heard Campbell's version said that he couldn't hear himself singing it. It was pitched to Johnny Cash too, but he didn't do anything with it. Once the four guys were in the studio together and intent on cutting an album, artist Marty Stewart apparently endorsed them doing this song, saying it was perfect because, quote, Four verses, four souls, four of them. With another push from Campbell, the four did record it. Webb later said he doesn't know how they decided who would sing each verse, but that having Cash take the very last verse was like, quote, having God sing your song, which it kind of is. Huh. This one hit number one on the country charts and stayed on the charts for 20 weeks. It also hit number one in Canada and earned Jimmy Webb a Grammy for best country song in 1985. So we're going to hear that one now. This is Waylon, Willie, Johnny, and Chris with the all-time classic, Highwayman. I was a highwayman Along the coach roads I did ride With sword and pistol by my side a young maid lost her baubles to my trade Many a soldier shed his lifeblood on my blade The bastards hung me in the spring of 25 But I am still alive I was a sailor I was born upon the tide I was a dam builder across a river deep and wide. 
Where steel and water did collide A place called Boulder on the wild Colorado I slipped and fell into the wet concrete below They buried me in that great tomb that knows no sound But I'm still around I'll always be around, around Across the universe divide And when I reach the other side I'll find a place to rest my spirit if I can Perhaps I may become a highwayman again Or I may simply be a single drop of rain But I will remain I'll be back again and again and again and again and again and again. And we are back. Well, that's pretty much a classic. That is. It's a great song. It's a great yeah. song. In, I can't. In every sense. You can't. You can't fight that. Nailed it. No notes. I mean, it's a great. It's a great song to start with, and then when you add in the the who are the four people singing it, I mean that just kind of ups the ante a little bit, in my opinion. I mean that's that those are powerhouse guys. Like you've got four that's, powerhouse. It's very much the country. It's like the country Wilburys, basically. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, same question. Who would you rather sleep with? <laughs> we know your answer. Tom Petty. <laughs> okay, well, okay, but if you had to pick one of the highwaymen, who would they? Oh. Okay. Um, <laughs> it takes a little more thought, doesn't it? I, you know what? I'm going to say this, Chris Christopherson, because I feel like okay. he might be gruff, but gentle. It's like, the velvet hammer then. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if that was, you know what, given what we're discussing, <laughs> hammer was probably a really bad, bad choice. Oh. Right? He's a really poor choice. I've chosen poorly here. I apologize. We're sorry for all the kids at home. <laughs> okay. I'm not. Are we though? Um, <laughs> I'm not, I, I apologize for nothing. Okay. So <laughs> after knocking out would be the title track of the album. Waylon said that they just recorded one song after the other, after the other. Oddly, given that Chris and Willie are reputed as two of country's finest songwriters ever. And I personally think that Waylon and Johnny are both very underestimated in that department. Only two of the 10 songs on the album were written by anyone in the group. Both of those were by Johnny Cash. And one of those was a cover of his classic Big River. Uh, they did cover Steve Goodman and John Prine on the 20th Century is Almost Over. They covered Bob Seger's Against the Wind and Woody Guthrie's Deporte, which featured Johnny Rodriguez singing a portion of the song in Spanish. They also cut a Guy Clark song that we'll get to in just a bit. But here is another fun fact. Fun fact. Fun fact. The group was actually not called the Highwaymen anywhere on the album. Did you realize that? No. no. No idea. No idea. No. Though that is basically the model that they took on and would kind of call themselves going forward it was credited to jennings nelson cash and christopherson really which isn't as catchy as the highwayman not nearly no it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue no it doesn't also i don't know if y'all knew this there was a group in the 60s 70s i think kind of a folkish band called the highwayman 
Nessie, I thought there was a thing that you couldn't have two bands that were named the same because. Well, it led to a lawsuit, actually. And here's it was resolved in a very interesting manner. Hey, TJ, sorry to cut in here, but we do need to take a brief break for our sponsors. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, Looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, (laughs) oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business, and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we're back. Back now for more of the life and times of Waylon Jennings and the Highwaymen. The original band called the Highwaymen were allowed to open a show for the new Highwaymen. That's I was how they say, with that. Did they say, hey, we'll make a compromise. You give up the name and we won't send any member of the Highwaymen to your abode, especially not the guy with golden gloves. Uh, right. Or the guy that blew up a bar with dynamite. Or the, or the, guy, that, or the guy that blew up a venue because they stood. Yeah. So that. That does that a, is that a good compromise? Yeah, but yeah. So there actually was a band, sort of, I think, kind of a folk band that had a, a couple of hits, late sixties, early seventies, called the Highwaymen, and they sued over the name, and it was settled by the new Highwaymen letting them open a show for them. Although, <laughs> although saying we're sending Chris and Waylon over, it seems like it would have worked even better. Surprisingly, though, they never had any kind of copyright dispute issues with Manfred Mann's Earth Band. <laughs> all right here we go ladies and gentlemen i am tom mcginnis and that was your federally mandated man for man reference of the podcast i hope you are satisfied we are tom we are every time so the group decided to hit the road 
But as they did so initially, Waylon said something wasn't quite right. Quote, it was like four shy rednecks trying to be nice to each other, he said. Waylon said it wasn't working for him or the audience, really. The group toured Australia and then returned home to play shows stateside. But Waylon said the show they were putting on was boring. He was bothered that they weren't showing off the camaraderie on stage that they had backstage and offstage. He actually considered quitting right in the middle of the tour. But instead, he talked it over with Johnny who said he was actually getting the same vibe. Quote, I get a little nervous, Cash admitted. I don't want to look like I'm stealing your thunder. So the group decided they couldn't have four big artists tiptoeing around one another on stage. They decided to help each other out singing each song, whether it was asked for or called for or not. They started to poke fun at each other in concert and make jokes as well. When Willie would be singing crazy, he would get to the line, crazy, and Wayne would run up to the mic and scream, and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and things of that nature. At some point, the group ended up in New Zealand as guests on a TV show. The host mentioned that some critics had suggested that the four had only teamed up because they could no longer sell tickets and records on their own. Chris, after saying, quote, how kind of you to point that out, said there were a lot of reasons the four belonged on stage together, including their wild man backgrounds. Cash said the idea was ludicrous and that any of the four could sell out any arena anywhere in the world on their own. He said, in fact, it was hard for the four of them to work in highwaymen shows around their other sold out concerts. Waylon had a slightly less charitable response. Quote, <laughs> I tell you one more point. That is, if you ask another question like that, burn your home down. <laughs> <laughs> okay then. <laughs> and, and given Waylon's history, he was probably not joking. <laughs> no, probably not. Oh my God. He'll burn your home down. The interviewer later noted that the group was made up of you know, four real survivors. He said that they had 115 combined years on the road between them. They had 12 marriages between them and it had consumed an untold amount of booze and drugs. Quote, and that's just Chrissy's talking about Willie Jones. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Quote, yeah, what about the rest of us, Waylon said. Now, <laughs> let's, let's hear one more song from the first album before we move on. But I want to hear a live version. Now, I told you that they cut a Guy Clark song. We're going to hear them doing that now live from the Nassau Coliseum in the American Outlaws show that was released on home video, but has also been a mainstay of PBS Pledge Month like for a really long time. You can often oh see God. it there. Here are the boys singing the classic Desperados Waiting for a Train. Old school man of the world 
his car when he's too drunk to wink give me money for the girl and our lives were like some old western movie like desperados waiting for a train like desperados waiting for a train on the day that i could walk he'd take me with him to a place called the green frog cafe there was old men with beer guts and dominoes Lying about their lives while they played I was just a kid, they call me sidekick Like desperados waiting for a train Like desperados One day I looked up and he's pushing 80 And there's brown tobacco stains all down his chin To me he's been one of the heroes of this country So why is he all dressed up like them old men? Drinking beer and playing moon like desperados waiting for a train Like desperados waiting for a train The day before he died I went to see him I was grown and he was almost gone we just closed our eyes and dreamed us up a kitchen Sang another verse of that old song Come on, John, that son of a gun's coming And we're back. Hey. Great song. Love yeah, that one. It really is. It's a great song. Great, great storytelling there. About four guys who know how to tell a story. And I do, too, certainly know how to write one in Guy Clark. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a gap between the first album the group did in 1985 and the second, which didn't drop until 1990. But the four did work on a project together in the meantime, being a remake of the movie Stagecoach, which came out in 1986. Waylon played a gambler named Hatfield. Cash was Marshall Curley Wilcox. Willie played Doc Holliday, and Chris was Ringo. So there you go. 
The four kept busy with their own projects for a few years, but their second album debuted in 1990, that being Highwayman 2. Waylon said he really didn't love the record. The recording was very rushed since the four had a very tiny window where their schedules worked out for all of them to be able to get together and record. There was a tour that went along with the record, though. The four enjoyed being together and got along very well, but that doesn't mean there wasn't some friction from time to time. Waylon said he and Chris sometimes thought of Johnny and Willie as, quote, Truman and MacArthur. Quote, they won't admit it, but there's a little bit of competition between them. Both of them enjoy star power, Waylon said. When they played some Eastern Bloc countries, Waylon said that Johnny was called, quote, Your Majesty by one guy, and that he enjoyed <laughs> that very much until they found out that the dude was KGB. Ah. <laughs> well, then. Uh-huh. Now, Waylon and Chris clashed sometimes over political matters. Now, I've never really delved into the political leanings of any of the artists that I've covered in, in this show because I largely do not care who they were. It really doesn't matter to me one way or the other. However, you'll read and see lots about the two of them being at odds at times, so it seems relevant here. Now, Chris is very vocal about his political beliefs, which tend to fall well to the left side of the spectrum. Waylon is a little harder to categorize, however. You can find websites that list him as being an early country music progressive, but others that tag him as being very conservative. In his book, he said that he liked Democrat Jimmy Carter very much as a person, and he considered him a very good friend. He basically said, though, Carter may have been either too good a man or too nice of a guy to be a good politician. He also said in his book that he didn't care for a lot of the policies of Republican President Ronald Reagan, but said what he did like about him was that he brought a renewed sense of love of country, patriotism, and the idea of American exceptionalism, which he said was needed at that time. In a 1988 interview, he was asked about then race between Republican George H.W. Bush and Democrat Michael Dukakis. He said that he had watched one of their debates and thought it was ridiculous, with both attacking the other more than espousing their beliefs and vision for the country. He said he didn't identify as a member of either party, but that generally speaking, he was more in line with what he heard from Bush in the debate than Dukakis. When he was promoting his autobiography, he mentioned Lenny Kay, who co-wrote the book with him. And of writing the book with Kay, he said that Kay was, quote, coming from the left and I'm coming from the right. The two hit it off anyway and worked very well together. So maybe Waylon got more conservative as he got older, or maybe he's just not easy to classify. Still, at a show one night, Chris was playing a song called Slouching Towards the Millennium. And he spoke as the music started about the war in Iraq, which was ongoing at the time. Per Johnny Cash, he said something about how many babies America had killed in Iraq and how they had destroyed that country's infrastructure. And apparently sitting on the front row that night, as Chris gave that dissertation, was General Colin Powell, just oh, by the way. When Chris walked off stage, Waylon was waiting for him in the wings, and things apparently got very heated. Quote, we're not talking fisticuffs, Cash said, just enough to get your blood pumping. Willie said that he oddly enjoyed watching the two get into it. Quote, Waylon's normally on my ass about something, Willie said. (laughs) There's also an absolutely hilarious exchange you can find in a documentary called Live Forever, which is free on YouTube, that features the group pitching songs to one another. Chris plays one about Sinead O'Connor, and Waylon can be seen grimacing with his face in his hands. There's also a discussion of France. Chris brought it up. And Waylon said he hated France. Quote, those sons of bitches, Waylon said, before talking about how America had saved France in several wars and got no appreciation or love in return. Quote, how can anyone hate France, Chris wondered. 
They've got wine, beautiful women, and 400 kinds of cheese. <laughs> Waylon said, yeah, so does Fort Worth. <laughs> that is one of my favorite Waylon quotes. It is. That is so awesome. Still, the two guys were the best of friends, and Waylon said Chris forever changed songwriting in Nashville, saying he introduced poetry into the proceedings. There was one other little dust-up, and it allows me to make a correction. When the group went overseas, Waylon was worried how they might might sound on a foreign stage with a sound guy who didn't know who they were and didn't speak any English. So it was decided that his then brother-in-law and sometimes producer Cowboy Jack Clement would help out on that front. Once he joined the tour, though, he offered a critique to Willie Nelson about his singing delivery. Quote, you've got to do something about your rhythm, Jack said. You start in last week and end in next week. You're not on the beat. you got to sing on the beat. Willie said, quote, if you, Jack, and then walked off. And he laughed well in that he has, had always wanted to say F you, Jack, to someone who has, was actually named Jack. Yeah. I had previously told you, right, that that exchange was in the studio. It was actually during this tour. Jack also did the noise that the band made right before the show started or the conversations between the four men that were being had on stage. Waylon finally told him that all he needed to worry about was the sound and nothing else, and that Willie's delivery was part of his style and that he just needed to back off on his criticism. Quote, one of the few people who can tease him about his singing, Waylon said. Still, Jack apparently got into the liquor one night and told Willie he was, quote, effing up good-hearted woman by singing it too, far, too fast. Waylon said it's hard to get Willie mad, but he was mad. Quote, he's driving me crazy, Willie said. I want him out of here. He then asked Waylon if he was indeed singing the song too fast, and Waylon said yes, that he was, but he also said it was his place to say that and not Jack's. So Waylon went and delivered the news to Jack that he was fired. Quote, I didn't mean no harm, Jack said. This all unfolded right before a concert. Waylon told Johnny Cash what happened, and Chris poked his head into the room on his way to smoke a pre-show joint with Willie and Willie's dressing room. He heard about what had happened and said, quote, oh, no. Waylon had an idea, though. He told Chris to smoke two joints with Willie, and about halfway through the second one to say, quote, maybe you were a little hasty about Jack. He did. And it worked with Willie saying, quote, oh, let's give him another chance. I'm sure he meant well. <laughs> <laughs> so halfway through the second, halfway through his second dube, he, he, he changed his mind. Let's hear one quick song from the second record, Highwayman 2. This is the Highwayman with the only song that was a hit off the record. This one hit the top 25. This is a song called Silver Stallions.
just one Raise your blades and die sinner eyes Just a touch of sadness in her fingers Thunder and lightning in her thighs And we're gonna ride We're gonna ride Ride like Another great one. In my I gotta opinion. say, I gotta yeah. say, I'm not that one was not that one was not as good to me as the Desperado's waiting for a train. It was a little bit repetitive in my opinion. No, no, but I Desperado's waiting for a train is 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 absolutely sublime. <laughs> There's not many songs better than that one, in my yes. opinion. Uh, and it's worth noting the second album, like I said, was not Waylon's favorite. He he thought it was rushed and thought they could have done a better job with it. So the men reconvened after another hiatus to record a third album, The Road Goes On Forever. In an expanded anniversary edition that came out 10 years later, there are a few extras, and one of them is hilarious, but it shows how much they liked each other and the loose mood mm. they kept. They're basically sitting around one mic, so they sound slightly off mic when they're doing these. You can hear them on the anniversary edition, and they're pitching songs to each other. And Waylon does one called I Ain't Song, and there's a line in it where he says, I ain't old and I ain't bitter and I ain't mad at nobody. And as soon as he says that line, Chris busts out laughing, like just dies laughing in the middle of the song. And when Waylon gets to the end, Chris said, you expect us to buy a line from Waylon Jennings? I ain't old and I ain't bitter. (laughs) (laughs) And I ain't mad at nobody. Oh, that's awesome. So you could just, you could tell that that they just, they they love being around each other. Waylon said the third album was his, even more so than the first. They brought in a new producer for this one, that being one you're probably familiar with, Don Woods. All the guys were familiar with him, and Waylon had just worked with him, his most recent solo album, which we'll discuss in our next episode. Waylon said that Don was an unassuming fellow and was very laid back, but said he also ran a recording session with the precision of a master conductor. When working on Waylon's previous album, Don wanted to capture Waylon's, quote, essence, quote, he wanted to create an instrumental texture, a pad of colors, rather than the usual trading of licks. He didn't want me lost in a sea of orchestration, Waylon said. On the third album, there would be a good blend of songs that featured each of the men individually and together. 
They wrote a lot more songs for this album, but also chose to cover some of their favorites like Billy Joe Shaver and some young up-and-comers like A Favor of Mine. And he was a young up-and-comer at the time, not anymore. He's retired. I don't think Robert that's how, that's how old they cut you his are. Song. <laughs> right. Right. Um, they cut his song, The Road Goes On Forever, and made it the title track of the album. Now, if you'll think back many, many episodes, there was a point where I told you about a big 4th of July Willie Nelson picnic concert that drew tens of thousands of people to Dripping Springs, Texas. Which we've been to. That we have. Willie and Waylon headlined the show, which I've both been to. I told you there was a fire in the parking lot, and I mentioned to you one of the license plates that was burned up in the parking lot fire was RHP 997, and I told you to just store that little nugget away. It wasn't stored. Um, I can we're not going to let. <laughs> yep, we're not going to let Robert O'Keefe himself tell you that story. A few years ago, the great Joe Ely recorded this song that I wrote. And then more recently, the Highwaymen. <laughs> Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. They recorded it and put it on their record. And I was so happy because, man, it was a nice thing. But I always felt that Willie Nelson might help me out sometime because I went to his second picnic, the Willie Nelson 4th of July picnic. I went to the second one. I was living in Houston. I had a date. It was my first date ever. I was about 27 years old. And we got in my old car and we drove up there to Texas World Speedway just south of College Station. I don't want no fights now. Oh yeah, and it was the back in the days of free love and, and and wonderful, happy, shiny people. Everything was fun, nothing was scary or dangerous. And we went there and we had a wonderful time in the Willie Way. And I had so much fun that in the afternoon I had to take a nap. And I woke up from my nap, and there was a man speaking over the PA system. He said that we've had a fire in the parking lot, and about 40 cars have burned up. And everybody, you know, in the land of free love in that time, in that wonderful time of free love and things, when they heard that, they went, oh. 10,000 of them at one time, oh. And then he said, then he said, we have some license plates of the cars, and the first winner is RHP 997. Now you might wonder why I remember that so well. And I woke up out of my haze and I said, that's my car, man. And in the time of free love and happiness, everyone said, 
Wow, way to go. And they started clapping for me. And I ran out there, and there was not enough of my car left to carbon 14 date. And I sat down on the grass, on the burnt grass, on the black burnt dirt and grass. And I can admit this now, I wept. I cried big old giant tears. And, and my girlfriend was laughing, my date, I mean. She was laughing. I said, what are you laughing about? We don't have a ride. And she says, I do. And it was then she introduced me to Tarzan and Adonis, who were terminally tan and they were wearing loincloths. And they said, we'll take care of her, man. And because it was that wonderful time, I said, thanks, dude. And they skipped gleefully away. And a man from the festival came up to me while I was still crying and he said, well, at least we could do is let you meet Willie. So they took me backstage and I went to Willie's bus. And they opened the door and lo and behold, Willie came out, pigtails and all. And he shook my hand and he said that he was sorry. He would like to visit with me, but he had to go jam with Leon Russell. And then some 20 years later, the road goes on forever. And we are back. So Robert O'Keefe is a great storyteller in song and in word, obviously. That's, hey, that's, it's hysterically funny. But yes, one of the cars that burned up in the parking lot at the second Willie Nelson 4th of July picnic belonged to Robert Earl Keene, a young Robert Earl Keene. Huh. See, that's, that's what we call full circle kids. I was going to say, then we had the full circle moment of the highwayman covering his song it's many years the later. But the circle that, of life. The circle of life. That, um, now, if I know you probably have never seen it, Travis, but that actually is from the movie called The Lion King. I, okay. I think that's one I've, I've seen maybe once, possibly. <laughs> May have been forced to more force march through it while you watched it when you were little or something. I don't know. I don't know. But um, that is that was the introduction to Robert Earl about to play the road. His version of the road goes on forever on his live album number two, Live Dinner. So if you're familiar with Keen's version of the song, you know that his original recording on his 1989 album No Kind of Dancer was delivered in very much a singer-songwriter kind of format. The pace was slower, and it was mostly just acoustic guitar. As time went on, Keen would increase the tempo. It became longer, and it had a big, long showpiece guitar solo from his guitarist, Rich Brother. And it turned almost into like his free bird. It was like a big rock epic that became one of his signature songs that he had to play at every concert. The Highwaymen's version is more similar to the original version of the song, though, the more singer-songwriter type delivery it's one of the finest pieces of musical storytelling ever so we're going to hear it now here are the highway man with the road goes on forever
Sherry was a waitress, the only joint in town. She had a reputation as a girl who'd been around. Down Main Street after midnight with a brand new pack of cigs. A fresh one hanging from her lips, a bear between her legs. She'd ride down to the river and meet with all her friends. The road goes on forever and the party never ends. Sonny was a loner, bolder than the rest. He was going in the Navy, but he couldn't pass the test. So he hung around town and he sold a little pot. The law got wind of Sonny and one day he got caught. But he was back in business when they set him free again. The road goes on forever and the party never ends. Sonny's playing eight ball at the joint where Sherry works. Some drunken out of towner put his hand up Sherry's skirt. Sonny took his boom cue, laid the drunk out on the floor, stuffed a dollar in her tip jar, walked out of the door. She's running right behind him, reaching for his hand. The road goes on forever and the party never ends. They jumped into his pickup, Sonny jammed her down in gear. Sonny looked at Sherry, said, let's get on out of here. The stars were high above them, the moon was in the east. The sun was setting on them when they reached Miami Beach. They got a motel by the water and a port of Bombay gin. The road goes on forever and the party never ends. They soon ran out of money, but Sonny knew a man who knew some Cuban refugees who dealt in contraband. Sonny met the Cuban in a house just off the route with a briefcase full of money and a pistol in his boot. Cards were on the table when the law came busting in. The road goes on forever and the party never ends. Cubans grabbed the goodies, Sonny grabbed the jack. He broke the bathroom window and climbed on out the back. Sherry drove the pickup through the alley on the side where the lawman tackled Sonny and was reading him his rights. She stepped out in the alley with a single shot 410. The road goes on forever and the party never ends. They left the lawman dying and they made their getaway. Got back to the motel just before the break of day. Sonny gave her all the money and he blew a little kiss. If they ask you how this happened, say I forced you into this. She watched him as taillights disappeared around the bend. The road goes on forever and the party never ends. There's a main street after midnight, just like it was before. Twenty-one months later at the local grocery store. Sherry buys a paper and a cold six-pack of beer. The headlines read that Sonny is going to the chair. She pulls back on the main street in her new Mercedes-Benz. The road goes on forever and the party never ends.
And we are back. That is one of the best right. written story songs ever. That's fun. I like that one. That's great. That was I like that one so much better than the other one. Yeah, that's <laughs> that is just Robert, you know, Robert Earl wrote that one. He's I've talked about him a lot on the show. He's one of my favorites. But that one of the finest pieces of musical storytelling has ever been. Love that song. The road goes on forever and the party never ends. Now, by the time the third and final Highwaymen album came out, country radio had undergone a pretty radical shift, purging most older artists from playlists in favor of newer acts. So there were no hits off the record per se, and the album only hit number 41 on the country chart. Still, I agree with Wellen's assertion that this was the group's best album. It very much has the feel to me of the two Traveling Wilburys albums in that the men don't approach the project as though they are four of the most important artists in country history and have to create a masterpiece. They just had fun and came at things, for the most part, with a good sense of humor. The cash pen Death in Hell, by the way, contains the line, just as an example, cats can fly from nine stories high and pigs can see the wind, <laughs> which is funny. Wow, um, okay then. <laughs> yeah, and apparently pigs can see the wind is an old Irish saying. The, the explanation I saw was Johnny saying, if someone feeds you a load of Blarney, you just tell them, ah, yes, and pigs can see the wind. So yeah. I think it's kind of comical rejoinder when somebody's BSing you. Uh, waiting for a long time, it is what it is, and the end of understanding would all to me have fit right in on either of the Traveling Wilburys albums. In fact, when the group undertook its last tour, all the members were clean, other than weed being smoked, I think. Chris noted in a documentary, though, that Waylon and Johnny had been dealing with and continued to battle some health issues on, on that last tour they did. And that would be a little bit of very sad foreshadowing. The road would go on forever, as they sang, but the party, in two cases, was coming to an end. One thing was eternal, though. Quote, friends forever, Waylon said as he shook hands with his bandmates as they all left the studio as a group for the final time. And that, friends, is where we're going to end today. Thoughts, guys? I mean, I feel like me and Waylon Jennings would probably get along. Think so? I think we get along. I think I would probably be like, do you want to burn this place down? And he'd be like, yeah. And be like, cool. Like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> like, yeah, let's like, do it. Like, I feel like he'd be the kind of friend that would move a body if he needed to. Right. Um, but like, here's the thing. And I know skirted this a lot. Probably, probably, probably knows how to sandpaper off um, fingerprints if you need, need that done or. Yeah. But here's the <laughs> right. thing. I, I love how much he cares about Willie. Like, I don't think we've really hammered that home enough, but like, he really has an amazing friendship with Willie Nelson. Like, from making sure he got a good deal, like, fighting for the album, you know, it's just, it seems like he was always on Willie's side, and it seems like he's a good person to have on your side. And I just, I really yeah, he's love definitely, their He's definitely the you want on your team. Yeah, yeah. you definitely want him playing, playing for your team, for sure. Yeah, and I feel like he was playing for Willie's team really hard, um, and yeah. I, I love that. I really do. And and I also want you to think about how, how diverse a crew of people Wayland has befriended and gotten along with in the course of this series. You know, it's just pretty amazing, actually. Will, what do you think? Yeah, it is amazing the connection that they have. And it's it's sort of like you said, they it feels like the highwaymen are cemented around that between Wayland and Willie. Uh not that Chris and there's anything wrong with Chris and Johnny, but I feel like they're they were almost the glue that held them together, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So that's all I've got. And, you know, we've only got two episodes left in this epic. This is part 13. We've got parts uh, 14 and 15. So we're starting to draw things to a little bit of a close. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll let LD kick out the socials and then I'll stop talking. You know what, though? Actually, why don't you tell the folks at home what was supposed to end this episode? Because and then I want you I want to hear your reason why we didn't do it. What was 
Oh, oh, uh, uh, we were going to do a post-show list, and it's a difficult one. It's one that we undertook with the Wilbers, who I mentioned in the closing of this episode, and that being a set list where you would have to craft a Highwaymen set list, four songs by each of the guys, four Highwaymen songs, four duets that any of them have done, and then kind of an anything goes um, encore. Will and LD have just had a crazy week, so we're going to do it the last week. And it, that kind of seems like a fun way to end the whole series in a couple of weeks. That's Is, is, there, is, there, is there something else where y'all, did y'all get arrested or something? No, no. Okay. So, did, did you just get you just get bailed out of jail or what? I mean, we don't talk about Bruno. No, That's it's just, song. it's okay. So you guys know that I work on American Idol and I was on the audition yesterday for eight hours. And so, and that's three times a week, eight hours of like basically being in the room with everybody. And when I stop, then I have to catch up on everything else that I've got to do. Plus I've got, you know, it's almost candle season. And so I've been working on my candles and my soaps, but then also, I guess I can say it now, which I've kind of dangled this carrot in front of you guys. I'm not cheating on you, but I'm. I'm having a tryst. I don't know when we can announce this, but I'm going to go ahead and kind of sneak it in here. I'm producing another podcast. And so between the podcast, between this podcast, that podcast, American Idol, and everything that, uh, you know, goes with it has just kind of uh, been a long day. Let's, I start working at eight in the morning and then I finish working at like 1130 or 12 o'clock at night. So I was just a little bit burnt out. So when you're like, yeah, you need like 45 songs. I was like, I can't, I can't do that. Honey, what was, <laughs> what was your, what was your problem? This has just been the week from hell at work. There's a lot of different things going on and I just get to the end of each day and I'm just fried mentally. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, the past few days have just been really hellish. So we'll get it back. I mean, it's well, going to level off and things will get better. So yeah. Yeah. I, so, so Sorry to my brother for failing at the list, but you guys can go ahead and post your precog stuff on our Facebook page, uh, and that will help me cheat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Give us answers is what we're saying. Give me answers. Yeah. So, you know, sorry to my big bro who he'll tell you in a second because he just had to log out for a second. But my brother can tell you the list is not a short list. And so oh. I'm, I want him to give you that list again. And so if you're listening to this episode, you got two weeks to help me cheat. So TJ, give us the list one more time of what it's supposed to be. Uh, yes, you have to do four songs by each of the individuals. So four by Wylan, four by Willie, four by Johnny, four by Chris from their from their catalog. Then you do four Highwaymen songs, four duets. And that duets could be duets that they've done together it could be ones they've done with anybody else so so some of the songs that johnny and june did totally fine willie's duets with jose feliciano and merle haggard and ray charles all those all the ones that you know Waylon did with hank jr and all those other people any of those are fine and then we have a an encore which is four songs it's any song that any of those guys have ever done in any capacity that's that's the list yeah so you see it's not an easy list to so just it's 28 like, oh. it's 20, it ends up being 28 songs but you're that means you got to pick four songs from johnny cash's catalog his whole catalog, Willie's catalog. <laughs> willie nelson has between soundtracks original albums 
and collaboration albums has recorded 101 albums. I am going to tell you, I'm probably just going to pick Rainbow Connection four times for Willie Nelson. <laughs> just yeah. have him keep playing it. He should play it again. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's a monstrous, unpleasant undertaking, but we are going to have to undertake it. And yeah, so LD needs you to help her cheat. And so uh, do, do that. Yeah, help me cheat. So go to our Facebook page and, and help me help me cheat. Tell me what I should pick because oh, that is not an easy list. No, like at all. There's a lot there. <laughs> there is so much there. It's a problem of too many options. Yeah. All right. Well, if you uh, feel like you're feeling footloose and fancy free, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com backslash rock and roll heaven. We will have a major announcement for our Patreon next week. So hold tight for that. We're hammering it out and I've got to figure it out. Going to do something special for you guys. Our Twitter. It's not even Twitter anymore. It's, it's X. I don't even know why I keep saying this, but it's rock and roll LT. We haven't even been active on Twitter in like a year and a half. I don't, rolling dumpster fire that Literally. I don't that I go on once a day just to remind myself how bad humanity actually is. So don't don't go to our Twitter, but you can go to our Instagram at Rock and Roll Heaven LT. We do post over there, and of course our Facebook page. I want to thank our admin Thea. Kills it every single day, dude. She's working overtime. Mm-hmm on that she's amazing you can do that at rock and roll heaven pod still not saying our website it hasn't been updated since like the third week we ever had this. so but our tiktok that's that's pretty cool that's that a rock nice. and roll heaven pod and you can email us at rock and roll heaven lt at gmail.com and you can also check out all the other awesome pantheon podcasts at pantheonpodcast.com all right so with that nonsense wrapped i'm now going to hand it over to will thrill to say goodbye to our audience stay golden pony boys and pony girls we'll see you on the next one i don't even want to know what a pony girl is okay Uh, thank you guys so much for checking this episode out please make sure to check out next week's episode where we are going to be doing waylon jennings part 14 as we draw this series to a close Our, our penultimate episode is next week the penultimate episode is next week so please be sure to check that out. Also, just uh, check us in on Facebook. Come say hi. We're running wild over there. It's awesome. And yeah, I hope you guys have a fantastic week. And we will see you next time. I'm going to hand it back over to my brother to close this road show. All right. We're going to end this episode with a super fun song from the Highwaymen's The Road Goes On Forever album. This is one where they parse out the lyrics and have each guy sing just the right part. And it's a fantastic song, real rocker. This is It Is What It Is. Good night, everybody from Rock and Roll Heaven. Good night.
mysterious I've been delirious I've been so weird it would have killed a normal man I wanted money I wanted power I want a monument kind of like the Eiffel Tower I've been lost to sea I've been lost in space And when I fall in love I fall all over the place I am what I am cause I ain't what I used to be Cause it is what it is but it ain't what it used to be Well tell them about it And you can go on forever Or you can stand up on your hind legs and change your feet Go on and do until you finally see What it is that it was that you don't want to be Glory is the way that I've been seeing for most of my life. I heard the laughter up in the rafter, but I never ever thought that the joke was on me. I am what I am because I ain't what I used to be. Well, maybe just a little. Because it is what it is, but it ain't what it used to be. achieve the American dream, the big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. 
or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.